night and started hanging out with this girl at work, and I told him, well, I got a new friend. He says, you're not ready for a girlfriend. Dude, you're, you're just getting your life together. You're, you're not ready for a girlfriend. And then he started talking to me about this new identity because on the back of that Honda Civic, in the middle was a bumper sticker that said, Husong's Cantina in Sonata. That was from Spring Break. And, and the next to it is my dive sticker. And then I got the surf racks on and the Orange Coast College sticker. And I had this whole identity thing on my car. And he looks at my car said, dude, you need a different identity. You need to scrape those stickers off. Maybe put a Jesus fish back there. You, you, you need, you need to, to forsake the old things, Mike. God's got a plan for you. It was probably one of the most influential turning point conversations I've ever had with somebody. And for, to be honest with you, at first I was offended. Who are you? God, we just know each other a few months. You're, you're, you're commanding me? And he wasn't at all. But how, how offense works? But I knew he was right. I knew some things needed to shift. I knew some things needed to change. Because in my heart, I knew what he was saying was true. It's just making decisions and the choices to do it. There was just an alignment, a a, a shift that needed to happen. And we're going to go to Haggai chapter 1 in a minute. And we're going to look at the the, the call that God gave these people to shift. Now, I knew this. Tom Tom believed this. I hope you do too. But seek first. Say first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. How many have experienced that? Seek the kingdom of God above all all else. New Living Translation says, seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you what? Everything you need. Amplified says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. Tom believed that passage. Tom shared that passage with me. Tom graduated from Cal Poly here in in environmental planning and uh, urban planning, and he he went on to be the youngest executive at that point ever to work for the Irvine Company, making six figures in his 20s. And, uh, and, and God favored him, and, and this guy knew who he was, knew where he was going, knew what he was supposed to do, and he was living that way, and the blessing of God was over him. He wanted that for me. That conversation was about shifting around some things, so I had experienced what God has for me. I tell you what, this morning I'm sharing it because I want that for you. I want you to see the everything else added because you're seeking first God's kingdom. And I can tell you, 40 years doing it, it works. 40 years of doing it, there's something to this. When we do it right, it's going to happen. Amen? So flip with me to Haggai 1, and we're going to pick a story up here. Little backstory. So if you read the Old Testament there, there was one tribe, 12 tribes together, one family of God. And because of division and disobedience, 10 tribes went one way. Two tribes went another way. And those 10 tribes, because of their disobedience to God and following other idols, they, they got themselves in trouble and they were taken captive by the, the Babylonian Empire. And when they were taken captive, God told them, for 70 years you're going to be in captivity and then I'm going to send deliverers and they'll set you free. And so uh, Darius and uh, oh, the, the other king Cyrus was raised up and when they did, they allowed, they decreed that the, uh, the people of Israel, children of Israel, could go back to Jerusalem. And so they came back to Jerusalem, and it'd be kind of like probably returning these hurricanes that have gone on. It'd be like maybe returning to Houston, and you're seeing your old house kind of destroyed, and your, your stuff in disarray. And your first priority might to be working on that or putting those things back together. And the children of Israel are facing that kind of stuff. And, and here it says, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, 
On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel. Now, the children of Israel hadn't heard any prophetic words. It's been a long time. Jeremiah was the last guy that gave them any instruction from the Lord. And now years have gone by. They've been set free. And here's the first time a a prophet comes in the name of the Lord and starts giving them instruction. So here it comes by Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, to the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says... The time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. Remember the underline. This people says. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, read that with me. Consider your ways. He goes on to say, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself but no one's warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put a bag in it with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, read it with me again, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I might take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Because you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins. Well, every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. That that last line speaks of revival, that God wants to open up the heavens and pour out a blessing. God wants to move in power. God God wants to do amazing things, bring forth the fruit of the earth. But there's something just like then that might be holding it back now, and, and I run into it a lot. Why people say, why does this keep happening? I've received Jesus as my Lord, and, you know, I'm trying to be a good person, and Uh, You know, I'm changing some things up, and I put away old things, but why does this keep happening? And and sometimes it's just a flat-out assault to the enemy. I know that. We live on a fallen planet with the archenemy of God trying to harass people and mess with our faith and mess with our love for Him. That's part of it. But there's another part that I just believe it happens because our, our priorities get shifted, where we get a few degrees out of just having a heart for God and heart for its kingdom. Now, some people, when I share this way, think about, oh, no, I'm not doing it right. I need to do more work. It's not more about doing more work. It's just about a shift of the heart, about a shift of the heart towards God's kingdom and God's people and, and making God's ways a priority in our life. And so, you know, people say, why? Well, this Christianity thing doesn't seem to be working for me. my comment is, well, have you tried to follow the principles that he's laid out for you first? Have you tried to pursue him and and go after him like he asked us to do? And when we do that, he promised he'd meet with us. He promised he'd be with us. He promised he'd be faithful to us as we cultivate and develop that relationship with him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? See, in, in the New Testament, there's two temples. There's first, there's this temple. Now, it's just not going to Jerusalem and offering sacrifices. No, no, no. Now, Scripture says, your bodies, your body, my body are temples of the Holy Spirit. So when we put God first, we got to think about keeping this temple right, keeping a relationship right in this temple. But we're also called up to, called to build the body of Christ. Because the Jesus followers, he told him, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. He has a vision for building his church. He has a vision for you and me connecting and you and me sowing and being part of bringing people in, sowing seeds towards the kingdom and being witness and being salt and light in the community. He's got a vision for building his church. 
And so when that orientation shifts in someone's heart where they say, I'm not just living for me and just building my own life and my own barns and my own you know, kingdom, but when something starts shifting in somebody's heart that says, God, I recognize what you've done for me, and now I, I want to uh, change this position. I want to reposition myself so I can be effective and a builder in God's kingdom. Anybody with me this morning on that? So let's look at some pointers about repositioning. Where we might be out a little bit, let's look at this story and break it down and, and think about some of these things that maybe we can shift. Say excuses. Point at your neighbor say, no, I'm just kidding. That, that often, many of us, we, we have excuses for, you know, why we're doing things or not doing things. Do you believe that? Uh, maybe not you. Okay, I have excuses sometimes. I can procrastinate. I get just, man, sometimes just squirrel. I get distracted, and uh, I, I get off what God wants for me, and I got all kinds of things that can get in the way. Well, so somebody emailed this a while ago to me about amusing excuses that were made to the insurance companies. It goes this way. This one guy said, well, this guy was all over the road. I had to swerve several times before I hit him. Uh, another person said, I pulled away by the side of the road. I glanced at my mother-in-law, and then I headed over the embankment. And another person said, the telephone pole was approaching really fast. I attempted to swerve out of the path when it struck my front end. And this one, I, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I just ran over him. <laughs> anyway, we, we come up with excuses why we're serving God, why we're not, why we're interested in spiritual things, why we're not. And I know we're at different levels, but sometimes we got to beware of excuses because I think it came out in the exhortation and worship. Some of us think we're less than and we have nothing to bring to the table, that we're not valuable, we don't know enough. We, we haven't been around enough, we're not connected enough, we're not spiritual enough. All of us can be talked out of our contribution just to help one another and encourage one another and, and in building God's kingdom. So we've got to be careful of excuses, amen? Benjamin Franklin said this, the person who is good at excuse making is seldom good at anything else. <laughs> Next, how, how about this? Is, is there a distance between you and God? Is there a distance? Because the interesting thing to me, well, I could back it up through here, but when God brings this rebuke before Haggai, this is the terms he used. He says, this people are going to build their houses for us before their interest in mine. He calls them this people. In other words, there's a distance. Every place else, he's calling them my people. But now he says, this, this people, they're not following my lead. They're, they're not, their heart's not towards me. And I don't know about you, I, I feel sometimes that distance between me and God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you get busy and distracted, or maybe you just mess up. Maybe you just sin, and, and you feel that distance, and you just kind of ignore that, but there's, there's a gap there, and, and God wants it to be my people. He wants us to understand we're in covenant with him. We're on the same team, on the same page, supposedly heading for the same way, wanting the same things, amen? And so when that distance is there, he, he wants to close it. He's the one that said he won't leave us nor forsake us. He's a covenant-keeping God. But you and me, when we do stuff that distance ourselves, it's an issue to him. And so he said, this people, but later in the story, when they get it right, it's my people again. And this is what he said several times. Consider your ways. Read that with me. Consider your ways. Now, th there's something about this idea of first, putting, putting God first. And, and we see it throughout Scripture. 
that, you know, when, when Israel was being blessed, they had something called the first fruits offering. And, and in three different of the festivals, they would bring the first fruits at three times during the year, three of these different celebrations, and they'd present it to God first. And it was the idea that we're thanking you first, but we're also in our first offering trusting that you're going to take care of us from now on, that you're our God and you're a covenant-keeping God. And so this idea of first, even the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was on the, the seventh day. In the New Testament, Jesus rose on the first day, and he was called the first fruits. He, actually, he, he was resurrected. Some say it was on Passover that he was resurrected, which was one of the feasts, the first fruits, the, the spring fruits. And so for you and me, this idea of considering your ways, I think the word first is important in that, that we think about him first, that when we're making big decisions, we run it by him first. When we're thinking about quitting jobs or getting new jobs or moving to new areas or changing this or changing that, that, that we say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to consider you first. I'm going to ask you first. I'm going to honor you first, Lord. I, I want to know what you think about it. Putting him first, seeking first the kingdom is important for followers of Jesus. Amen? So in the decisions you're making, in the, in the choices you're making, can I ask you this morning, how often do you think about making God first? In, in, you know, I, I, my morning devotionals are hit and miss. Some, some mornings are good. Sometimes I miss first devotionals. But I, I could say this faithfully. In, in the morning, I'm, you know, in worship and asking God, inviting God to order my steps and lead my day. I'm, I'm trying to do that, trying to put him first. Some mornings I wake up distracted. But I, I just believe that, that in our heart, that uh, compass that he sets there is, Seek me first and see what happens. Put, put me first and see what I can do with your day and your time and how I can multiply it. Make him first. Amen? Here's what, uh, this is a little farther in the passage. I put the repossession equals repositioning. These guys had a shift in heart. So Haggai the prophet comes and rebukes them. Instead of getting prideful and stoning the prophet, they, uh, they take heed to what he says. And Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, just, that's just a bunch of names right there. Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, and with all the remnant, say all the remnant. So this is all the people. The prophet speaks, and all the people, they say, we're going to obey that. We're going to obey the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai, as the Lord their God had sent them, read the yellow with me, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I'm with you. So they're now no longer these people. They repented. They said, God, we want you first. We want to honor you first. And he says, now I'm with you. I'm with you in this building. I'm with you in your future. I'm with you in restoring what was destroyed and taken from you. And so the last or the next point here is after you make them first, and sometimes the idea of making them first when we're used to living our own life and running our own life and doing things our way, sometimes that is overwhelming. But somebody say helper. 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 The Holy Spirit, he's called as our helper. He's called alongside to help us. Do you believe that? How many have ever had help from the Holy Spirit? Wisdom when you needed it, a plan or a strategy forward. That's what even the Old Testament, that's what, what uh, this, this prophet, the other one, Zechariah, that's prophesying at this time. The Lord comes to him and said, this is the word to, to Zerubbabel, the governor that's doing all this rebuilding. Tell him this. He's overwhelmed. He's trying to figure out how he's going to do it. 
He's, now he understands it's not about just building personal homes, but now it's about reestablishing temple worship. But here's the angel of the Lord says this, not by might, read that with me, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Read that again. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is Old Testament. How much more so in the New Testament? That now you and me, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you and me, we've got a new vessel, this new vessel that God pours his spirit in. How much more now that can you and me rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit to shift some of these things in our heart and to be builders of what God wants us to build? Amen? Here's what the 23 days later. So it's just from the time the prophet begins to prophesy and Haggai says, hey guys, you need a shift. You're working on your own stuff, but... You know, this temple, it needs work. It needs attention. God wants to restore. He wants to do something powerfully. 23 days later, the Lord stirred up the spirit. Say, stirred up the spirit. You, you, you know why we labor or sometimes linger in, in worship? Because we want to get the spirit of the people stirred up. We want your heart stirred. We want your heart rekindled with passion. We want your heart reconnected. We want your heart stirred with vision. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. He stirs us up. He stirs us up with vision. He stirs us up with hopefully some enthusiasm, some excitement. He stirs us up for holiness. He stirs us up in love for one another. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Read the yellow with me. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, their God. Say that with me, their God. Something shifted. He's our God, and he's redeemed us, and he pulled us out of slavery, and he's pulled us out of bondage. And he's got a plan for us. And we're going to allow our hearts to shift to follow him and to do what he's asked us to do. Amen? So you get help from the Holy Spirit, but this is what he was positioning them for. He, he wasn't just saying, you know, I want my old temple set up to how it used to be. And God's saying, I miss meeting here and I miss the nice priests and the people that were hanging around. No, he had a vision for why he wanted it done. And he was positioning them for an outpouring. And how many believe we're being positioned for an outpouring? I, I, I believe this. I believe this. It keeps coming through prophetic ministry over and over. Since really I've been on the Central Coast and here, we've had multiple prophetic promises to the pastors in this region, from the Baptist church to inner church meetings. I still remember it was somebody from Sweden or Norway came to when Tom Morris was pastoring First Baptist. It was on a Sunday, and that stuff doesn't happen much there. But in worship, this person from... Uh, that part of the world from uh, the Scandinavian country stood up and, and declared, the Lord's bringing revival to the central coast and, and you know, it's coming as a wave. You're going to see waves of God's glory, waves of God's power. At the same time, we were hearing it from so many different places. And more and more, I believe God's got something amazing for Agape Church and for the central coast. Do you believe that? And he's positioning us and he wants our hearts to be positioned as builders and our hearts to be positioned to say yes to what he wants to do. And so in chapter 2, verse 6, in Haggai, this, this is the Lord gives him the reason why he wants him to build, why he wants him to finish projects. He's given him to start. He says, this says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I'll shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I'll shake all nations. And I love this name for Jesus. They shall come to the desire of all nations. I'll fill this temple with glory. 
in, in, in missions travel when somebody fully understands who Jesus is. They don't have to earn their salvation. They don't have to work for it. The, the, this God of heaven, this real one true God, he came down in the flesh to demonstrate love for people. And he gave himself that, that sin, that gulf that was between the heavenly father, the creator of heaven and earth, and us, that, that gulf that was created by our sin. Jesus came to, to bridge that, to reconcile that. When people hear the truth of the gospel, so we hear it over and over and over again. I still remember in Cambodia when that college student was walking Jan, around, Jan and I around Angkor Wat Temple. And he, we were in the center of this ancient temple, and he said, this is where the creator of the universe, this is where Vishnu and Shiva and Brahma, this is where they created the universe. And I said, no, I know the creator of the universe. And he looked at me, you do? I said, I do. And, and he said, like, who is that? And so I just started briefly going through talking about the God of the Bible and that he's a father, and that he loves us, and he sent his son, and he started saying, this is new knowledge for me. This is new information for me. Tell me more. He never heard the name of Jesus, and he, he was excited. It was just a 15, 20-minute exchange about the gospel. I put him towards Campus Crusade's websites to find out more about Jesus, but he is the desire of all nations, and when the truth of the gospel is received around the world, it changes lives. That's why we're doing missions, church. That's because the, Jesus is still good news to people. You and me in our complicated lives and our busy lives, sometimes we just don't step back and enjoy the simplicity of relationship with him, that rhythm of life that he offers to us where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We, we don't slow down enough, myself included, just to get in that rhythm with him where there, there's a peace and a joy and a rest and a, and a comfort and a strength that comes from him. And scripture says here, Haggai prophesies, I, I want you to be prepared because I'm about to shake heavens and earth and I'm going to pour my spirit out and they're going to come to the desire of all nations. And through the years, we've had people that have dreams and visions about people lined up to get in our church. We're, we're building that with overflow in mind, with the cable connection between what goes on in here and what can go on over there, an expansion and overflow, because we want to say yes to whatever God wants to do, amen, yes to what he wants to do in our lives and my life. I hope you say yes to him. It's a great place to be. I'll get there in a minute. And they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I'll fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. He knows how to pay for it, too. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I'll give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Even in my transition, as we're looking at more mission stuff down the road, that, that same theme kept coming up to me. Your, your, later, your latter days are going to be greater than your former days. I don't know about you. Those things excite me. God's got more for us. He's got more for us as a people. He's just saying, position yourself. Be positioned for an outpouring. Set your heart in the right place. Get ready for what he wants to do. And last but not least, expect rewards. I, I love the attitude that people say, and I think it's the right attitude that says, if God doesn't do anything for me, it's just worth it because he saved me. I'm just grateful that he saved me. If I just make it to heaven, that's enough. And I, th I think that's a good heart attitude to have, but I'm telling you, that's not the only attitude. There's, God's a rewarder. I've been doing this thing for 40 years. I've seen the reward of the Lord in my house and in my family and in my friends. I've seen the reward of the Lord because Scripture says this in Hebrews, those that come to God have to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. 
And so when you put him first, everything else gets added. When you seek him first, he opens doors, he does things, and it's not like free of toil and free of turmoil. No, no, no. But in the midst of it, even some of the stuff he rewards us with was peace in the middle of the storm and, and strength in the middle of trial. Those, those are some of the rewards of the Lord. And so we can expect, say expect, you, you can expect if you put him first, he's going to reward you. And this is, I'm wrapping it up. This is my last scripture, 2 Samuel 7. King David, you know, the story started out as a shepherd boy. And, uh, and he, he was just, you know, doing his own deal as a shepherd boy. And yet he, in his connection with God and probably where he wrote some of his psalms, he just encountered majesty. He encountered creation. He began to see the bigness of God. So when Goliath showed up, in his heart, in his mind, God inside of him was much, much bigger than this uncircumcised Philistine trying to challenge him. He takes out the giant, and through the course of time, he becomes king. And now, not only just king, he's made his mistakes up and down, but he became a victorious king and a popular king and a reigning king, and he prospered. And we get to 2 Samuel chapter 7. He just brings the Ark of the Covenant. He rescues it back. He brings it up into Jerusalem. He sets it in a tent. And he comes to Nathan, the, the prophet, and he says this. It just does not seem fair. I'm, I'm in my paneled palace and my, my just decorated palace and God's temple, his tabernacle's presence under a tent. He tells Nathan, I, I want to build God a house. I want to build him a house. And this is the exchange. So Nathan goes in and speaks to the Lord. And God speaks back through Nathan, the prophet, says, go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? In that dialogue, and it's a great read, he goes through and he recalls where he took David from and how he elevated him and took him from dishonor to honor and how he's used him and he's worked through him. And he makes this promise to David. He says, you would build me a house? Well, David, I'm telling you, I'll build your house. You build my house, David, I'm going to build your house. And from that day forward, this covenant was sealed. And if you go through history... From every kingdom forward, every king of Israel, they weren't all good. Some were good and bad, but you can trace the lineage of David all the way to Jesus. That he said, I'm always, I'm going to build your, you're going to build my house. My hand is always going to be on your family line. And I can say this for a fact, that we've seen that goodness of God. And I, and I have not been perfect. We've made mistakes. Please believe me, this is no way about me. It's more about the faithfulness of a God that when you say yes to him, that when you say, God, I want to I be a kingdom builder, I want to build your people, that he'll bless you. He, he, he is faithful to do it. And we've seen it favor on our kids. It just seems like they always get jobs in the fields they want to work in. Our son Josh liked airplanes, and through connections, he ended up working at the airport, getting his license, and now he's going on aeronautical engineering degree. And Allie and Zach were interested in youth ministry, and they ended up in youth ministry, and they've always had provision, even when it was tough. I've seen the provision of God in my house and my family. And two different times, I've shared stories before, but our first house, Jan and I, we were just newly married, and we we're helping East Bay Faith Center get in their new building. We're just going door to door, inviting people to church and passing out flyers. And I still remember the house, kind of, and we were standing in front of, but we were talking and just saying, God, we, we'd like to have a house someday. And we just made a simple prayer, and we had no cash in the bank and newly married. And I've been working a little bit, but she, hadn't, she just got started working. And um, within, I don't know, it was just a 
couple months, a guy I was working with, he's PhD level, I'm his assistant at bachelor degree levels, research and development for Sohio Petroleum. He tells me, Sohio gave me 10,000 bucks, I have to use it in a year, I only got a couple months left, if I don't use it, I lose it. How about if I give it to you to buy a house, and then when you sell it, you, you, you figure it out with me. So we made a simple prayer, and in a couple months, I have a down payment, and we move in a house. And I, I knew when we got in, this is just the hand of the Lord. Interest rates were sky high, 15%, and the owner was willing to carry back. And just how it all came together, it just had the fingerprints of God all over it. And I know he took care of us. I, I know it was the blessing of God. And we bought and sold a couple times, and then... Came here to Grover Beach when we were youth pastors. We quit good jobs, came here. I was making 70 bucks a week, grocery money, trying to sell real estate. Didn't even know what street was what in the town. I was just, it was just a challenge, like a test of faith for a while. And we're at a home group on a Sunday night. My brother's teaching in the home group. And the Lord speaks to me and says, you're going to live in this house first. And my first thought is, I'm not sure I want to. It's Lime green shag carpet, smells like cats, and this Mediterranean-style drapes. And, 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 you know, it just, it looked, it said fixer-upper all over it, but it had an ocean view. And, and, it's in, and it's in Grover Beach with an ocean view. And so just a few months later, the owner says, I, we want to sell the house. And so I thought, well, that's great, but we, I just started a job. I don't know if we could qualify, and on and on. And uh, I was working for Gordon and Diane trying to sell real estate. And a new broker came to town, Gibraltar Savings, and he was desperate to make a loan and get involved with the real estate office. And I still, to this day, I think that loan was legal. I, I think it was. But to this day, we got a loan and we moved into the house. And it was an ugly loan, but it got us in the house. And, and sitting in the house, I still remember moving in and thinking, God, it's you, God, it's you. You keep your promises. You, you promised you'll take care of us, God. You, you promised you would. And he's a good, good father, and he's a good provider. Stand with me. And, and so we got opportunities to build, to build. We got opportunities to build this, this temple. We got opportunities coming up to fill this temple, to, to see this temple get stronger. After you, those of you that are new, John Collier, he, he's a powerful guy. He moves into things of the Spirit. You might be stretched a little bit. He talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, and we spend time at the altar. And so if that's new stuff for you, you're going to probably be stretched and, and, and just the gifts. But I tell you what, if you come with an open heart, you'll be activated too. You'll be encouraged and strengthened spiritually. We also have the, a chance to build. We have the new building going up. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, walk through it. It's awesome. We're, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go through and sign the slab and put down the promises of God on that slab. I think that's the 22nd now because they're going to be pouring cement around there for a while. So uh, we're getting close. So there's a harvest offering to help get that finished. We got what we call it a harvest hoedown, barn dance on the 18th and the 19th that Sunday. We're going to do a special offering to try and close that gap and get that building up. Amen. And already I've been in conversations with people and met with a uh, young life guy, Johnny May, this week and started talking about that building, and Young Life's got an idea for the building, too, to train their leaders and to, to be able to put back in the community. That thing's going to be a community center. We're going to serve the community with that building. Amen? We're going to see the kingdom grow because of that building. And then we have life groups building this temple up that are growing and getting stronger, and then Cali Life Church is coming. And so we have opportunities to be kingdom builders around here. Amen? And, and more importantly, just all around you.
where, wherever the Lord brings you. The kingdom of God is built by seed. And that seed is just a, a, a word of encouragement. That seed is a testimony. That seed is about God's faithfulness in your own life. That seed is about the truth of that you need to be born again, that you can't earn your salvation, that it's a gift from God. That seed we sow is, is important in the workplace. And so, Father, I, I just pray, God, where we need a shift. It's not that we're working harder. We just a shift the priorities, maybe, that you've called us to be kingdom builders. You called us to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you've called us to that, and you've gifted us for that, and you've anointed us for that. You've empowered us for that. I tell you, there's very few things on the whole earth that have been more rewarding than being involved with that, seeing people come to you and lives changed, churches established, Bible schools established. Being part of those things, God, has fed me and expanded me. Lord, I'm so grateful for that. I pray as a church we keep saying yes. We keep saying yes to be used by you. Thank you for a practical application for what that means in each of our lives.